This morning, saints of the Most High God, title of the message I have for you is Staying Positive in a Negative World. We're going to be reading this morning from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 4 through 9. I'm going to give you a quick moment to find that in your Bibles. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 4. We're starting at verse number 4, and the Word of God says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, hallelujah, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Glory to God. You may take your seats this morning in the presence of the Lord. I think it's no mystery. I think we can all agree, boy, oh boy, do we live in some evil times. I'm literally heartbroken every single time I look at the news. And I'll be honest with you. I have not been watching the news like I used to in a regular fashion. It's just so depressing. It's so discouraging. It's so horrible to look at the evening news. And it seems like the more it bleeds, the more it leads. If it's not a a dastardly or wicked or evil, it, it seems like it doesn't make the news. I remember a day when I was a young man where you would literally watch the news and they would have segments of good news. How many have ever seen a good news report on TV? It's almost non-existent anymore. You don't see good news. And if you do, they save it for the very end of the show. And it's like a 10-second clip of some kid winning an award or somebody winning a lotto ticket or something stupid. And that's good news for the media. Everything else is bad news, evil, murder, death, rape, suicide, violence, and on and on. It's just horrible. Political corruption. We've been seeing in the news lately Israel under attack. Women and children are being killed and slaughtered. I, 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 I can't even believe how awful it's been over there. We're seeing protesters ripping off pictures off of telephone poles of Israeli hostages and then shouting obscenities and crumbling it up and throwing it on the floor. Imagine if that was one of our own siblings, one of our own children, one of our own loved ones, and someone is just ripping it off of a wall because you're Jewish or because you're of a different persuasion that they don't agree with. It's horrible. I spoke earlier during our time of prayer about the active shooter, the guy that was killing. I'm not even going to mention his name because it's not even significant. Give him no airtime. But there are active shooters killing innocent people, especially young people, as they were having a time, an outing, to just go out and have a good night of of refreshment and, and recreation in a bowling alley. We have corrupt politicians getting away with crimes, Even with overwhelming evidence, I saw a check with signatures and everything, and they're still walking around. If you or I did one of those things, we'd be thrown in prison, in in, in in either prison, in a cage with murderers and killers and rapists and sodomites, and we'd be thrown in that room for something that we did wrong, that we deserve punishment for, but the government and the rich and the elites seem to just say, I'll just... Don't do that again. Bad boy. There are are people in jail right now 
for a fraction of what was committed. That's the truth. I know it gets quiet in here when I talk about stuff like that. Hallelujah. Praise God. But the truth will keep us free and will make us free. Amen? You see, it's, it's something. When the truth hits home, then all of a sudden now it's an issue. As long as it doesn't hit your house, then it's fine. We live in a time where people are calling evil good and good evil. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those that call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I ask a question this morning. What has happened to our world? What has happened to our society? Has it gone mad? We have women now wanting to be men. And we have men wanting to become women. We have grown adults wanting to be children again and even babies and wearing diapers. I could hear my wife in Germany saying, beat them, beat them. <laughs> my wife was here. She'd be doing that right now. It's insane. We're in a time now that people believe that men can actually have babies. It's a warped mindset. We have doctors that have to treat men in a gynecological office, and if they don't, they lose their license. It's insane. Jesus knew all about these days that are at hand. He knew how evil it would become, and he even gave us warning. How many have taken note of the warnings in Scripture? He knew that we would be affected by this world and by its problems, that there would be violence and war and crime and murder and rape and abortions. He knew about the broken homes, the deviancy, the sexual immorality. He knew that our hospitals would be inundated with all kinds of people with all kinds of medical issues. He knew our prisons would be filled to capacity, and he knew the cemeteries would be full of people who have lost all hope. John 16, These are Jesus' words. He said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Glory to God. Saints of God, how many are trying to just simply maintain what you have obtained? That was one of the messages we shared at the men's conference two weeks ago. Praise God. But how are we to hold our peace? How are we to maintain our sanity when everything else around us is going a little bit bonkers? I think for starters, we could take note of what we read just a few moments ago. And we have to learn, first and foremost, not to become negative people. We are supposed to be a rejoicing people. Praise God. I'm actually glad that it rained today because usually in the rain, a lot of people turn into paper and they don't come out to church. Praise God. But we got a room full of people here that aren't afraid of a little bit of water. Glory to God. But we're supposed to rejoice, rejoice in all things. The song we sang this morning, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. How many are actually rejoicing when we see all this stuff going on? Philippians 3, 1 through 3, it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mut mutilation. For we are the, of the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Hallelujah. At the men's conference during this message, one of the key points was to have no confidence in the flesh. How do we maintain what we, what we obtain? How do we avoid all this craziness? Number one, we could start by walking in the Spirit. The Bible says if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? A lot of us do not walk 
in the Spirit. But we also have to focus on positive things. Praise God. That means turn the frown upside down. Put a smile on your face and focus on the honorable things, the noble things, the lovely things, the things that are of good report. The Bible says, if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Praise God. Even still, we read this and we hear it and we talk about great things and still Christians still remain negative and, and get lost in their thought process and we don't understand that we have to stay positive in a negative world. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope he's not talking about you. Praise God. There truly are negative Nellies and Debbie Downers. Listen, there's, there's certain people, I, I think everybody has one. I have a few people, a few people that I just won't even go to their house. I can't even call them on the phone. Am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth here? We all have that one person that every time the, the, Lord, the Lord puts it in, the, in your heart to call, and then you call, and the next thing is a rant. Ah, you didn't want 30, 40 minutes and a rant and a rant and ranting and ranting. And oh my God, it's such a drudgery to get on the phone with them. And so we say, Oh God, please, I don't want to call that person. Oh God, please, please, Lord, please, don't make me do it. And Lord said, You better pick up that phone right now. You better call. Then you call and you find yourself in like the abyss. You feel like when you get off the phone, you got to take a shower. How many have ever had those kinds of experiences? Or you just run into somebody at the supermarket and you say, oh, God, there they go. And now you're getting there. and F beep, 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 F bombs, beep, beep. And the first one or two F bombs, they say, oh, my bad, excuse me. But after three or four, they just forget. And it's just F, F, bomb, boom, bam, boom. Bombs bursting away, right? It's like the national anthem of F bombs. And you feel like you got to bathe after. You got to take a shower. But there are people that literally dwell on the, the, the negative. They focus only on those things which are not positive, which are harmful. And, and I just don't understand how anybody could live like that. I, I've shared this example, but I'm going to share it again because it's such a powerful illustration. There's a group of scientists that did a study, and I challenge you to go and Google it and check it out for yourself. They say that anxiety and gratitude occupy a certain spot in the brain. And, and this spot is the only place that it is found. And so people that are anxious or people that are always grateful, they have that spot in their brain always occupied. The question is, that they can't, not the question, but the, the reality is they cannot be together. One has to supersede the other. So for those that suffer with anxiety, there might be a reason why you suffer with anxiety is because you're ungrateful. Because gratitude cannot occupy that space unless the anxiety is out. They both occupy that part of the mind. I thought it was very interesting when I heard about this study because it basically means that one cancels out the other. And scientists have just thought they figured this out and they are just so mind-blown about how positive thoughts can cancel anxiety and that gratitude will cancel anxiety. But the reality is God put it in his word 2,000 years ago. And the answer's always been there. Praise God. It says, be anxious for nothing but in everything. That means everything. Everything means everything. Amen. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Turn to your neighbor. Say gratitude. Praise God. Have an attitude of gratitude. Stop complaining. We say it all the time in this. I'll stop complaining. When you complain, you're opening the door for that little spot in your brain to be occupied by fear and doubt and dread and anxiety. There are people that can't sleep They've lost their sleep. They've lost their peace. They've lost the goodness because of that spot in their brain. And they're always worried and anxious. It says, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. That means be grateful. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God. How many lack peace? How many need peace? 
And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There are those that suffer with loss. Listen, loss is a great thing. I get it. When you lose a, a child, when you lose a parent, when you lose a grandparent, when you lose a coworker, I just found out there was a, a, a person uh, uh, that, that is known in our family, young man, had uh, PTSD, went to several uh, uh, Afghanistan and different conflicts in the military, and 34 years old, gone. And we start to say to ourselves, how, how can we move on after that? How can we move on? What are we, we going to do now? And many people resort to other things to try to fill the hole in their heart. And that's how you have addictions. And that's how you, you counter. You have all other things to try to bring you peace. There is no peace that comes from any material thing in this world. There's no friend. There's no family member. There's no drug. There's no high like the most high. Amen. Nothing is going to bring you peace like a relationship with Christ. When you start to have an attitude of gratitude, when you start to recognize who you are in Christ, and you start to count on the blessing, the assuredness of your salvation, then all of a sudden it puts a different kind of a, a change on things. You have a different mindset, a different outlook. Anxiety is really a condition of the mind. And I'll go further and say it's also demonic infiltration. We have to cancel it out. How do we cancel it out? The answer is right there. With an attitude of gratitude, with thanksgiving in your heart. Begin to worship God. I tell people all the time, especially those that are suffering at the midnight hour, I can't sleep, I can't sleep. There's demons in my room. You know, put on some praise and worship. You'd be amazed at how you sleep like a baby. Put on some praise and worship. No demon in hell can be in your room when the praises of God are going on in your house. If you're alone, if you're worried, put on some praise and worship while you're vacuuming the rug, while you're washing dishes, while you're doing whatever it is that you're doing at home. Put on some worship and see the joy of the Lord flood your house and flood your heart. I'm going to give you four points this morning quickly of how to change your negatives into positives. Number one. We have to respond positively to God's love. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Praise God. God loves you in spite of your circumstances. How many believe that? No matter what you're going through, the love of God will flood your heart. God's love is shown in creation. It's revealed throughout his entire word. It's clearly seen on the cross. The cross is a demonstration of God's love. God's love is demonstrated through answered prayer. How many have had answered prayer? Praise God. Isn't it wonderful when you receive an answer to prayer? I know people get tired of hearing me say this, but I keep saying it because it's true. And I got to give him praise. I'm living in answered prayer. I'm living in the prayers that I've prayed many, many years ago. It's a wonderful thing to be in the time in your life when you're literally living in your answered prayer. And some of you may not understand that because you're still waiting on some prayers to get answered. But I can tell you the truth. You might want to remove some of the negative stuff, negative complaining and all that, and the fingerprint of God will come right back into your situation. You see, sometimes our negative doubting and worrying and fears and all that stuff, it delays the answer to the prayers. Oh, how about this? 1 Peter 3, 7. This ain't even on the notes. Amen. But if we don't treat our wives, men of God, right? This was part of our message, right? If we don't treat our wives as joint heirs, as equal heirs, as partners in the inheritance of Christ, if we disobey the laws of God, if we remove our wives from our thought process, then the Bible says even your prayers are being hindered. The women. One, two, three. <laughs> if my wife was here, she'd be like, one, two, three. There you go. Praise God. Listen, we're in this walk together. Praise God. We can't exclude one another. We're walking in this as a partnership. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we need to include our wives and our plans and our decisions. You know, we're, we're part of the body of Christ and even our children as well. Number two, we need to 
reprogram our stinking thinking. Turn your neighbor and say, renew your mind. Hallelujah. We're in a world where we're bombarded with negativity. We must be able to see past the lies of the enemy and renew our thinking. Listen, I, I, I tell people all the time, and, and I, got, I have no way else to say this, so just bear with me. I'm not getting political, but I want to make a political statement. There's so many people that hate, literally hate, Donald Trump. And they call him orange, bad, orange man, bad, bad, bad. And I'm like, okay, why do you hate him? Question. It's a legit question. Why do you hate him? Because he's wicked. Okay, I, I get that. Tell me something wicked that he did. Oh, uh, I don't want to talk about it. And they walk away. Listen, if you listen to hate news all day long, you're going to hate everybody. Whoever, they, they start planting this stuff in your head. We have to be informed. Do your own research. You know, read a book. Hallelujah. How about read the Bible? Praise God. There's so much of this stuff, this negativity going on. We got to renew our mind. If you can't even defend your post, defend your position, I, I, I've, I've laughed because they've taken quotes from different leaders and made it seem like it was another political person that said those things. And people were like, what? He said that? He said that? No, no. And it was the very person they were defending was the one that said the quotes. And again, I'm not putting names out there because people want to throw rocks at me this morning. Amen. But the reality is sometimes if we don't do our research, we're defending someone and not even knowing that the corruption and all the other stuff that we're defending is the very thing that we should be avoiding. We have a real problem in our day. The problem is instant access. We have communications. We have technology. We're in a time where knowledge has surely increased. We're in a time where we're immediately aware of the world's problems. There are psychologists that have said there are dangers when there's constant negative input. It breeds violence. It breeds rage and all kinds of other medical disorders. There are physical dangers that are consistent when we have negative input all the time, there's sickness, there's disease, there's disorders. If we're not careful, we can become indoctrinated quite easily and believe the lie and live our lives according to the lies that are spoken into our spirit through our devices. Don't believe all the lies. The Bible says in John 8, 44, Satan is the father of all lies. Hallelujah. Remember this verse. You should have it highlighted by now. John 10.10. 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that more abundantly. Glory to God. This is why it is so critical for every believer in this room to learn from the truth. What is truth? Who is truth? Pontius Pilate asked Jesus face to face, what is truth? And truth was standing right in front of him, and he literally turned around and walked away. And oftentimes, this is what happens to many of us. We walk away from the truth. Jesus is truth. Where do you find truth? In his word. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. If there were more people reading God's word in our day, in our society, there would be less confusion and less corruption in the world. 2 Timothy 3.16-17, all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There are so many spiritual disciplines that go unchecked. I call it the pitfalls to Christianity. We fall into these traps, pitfalls. We know that there are certain things that we need to do, but we don't do it. And then when we fall into these traps, we find out that we've opened up doors. We've given access to evil spirits. We've given 
uh, open access and even permission for the enemy to come in and wreak havoc in our life. Think about this. Halloween, which we'll be talking about very shortly. But look at this holiday. How many Christians are actually engaged? Listen, I'm not going to point any fingers or none. I really, this is not for that. Praise God. But there are probably some in this very room that have all kinds of Halloween decorations up on their lawn or even in their house. Or you've already brought your kid a costume with devil horns and everything and, and, and you know, capes and pitchforks and all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, it's just silly. It's just silly. Don't be so religious. Don't be so legalistic. Okay. And then you wonder why your kid is wilding out all year long. Then you're calling the pastors and the leaders, my kid needs deliverance. Yeah, you're the one that opened up the gate. You need deliverance. This is why we're supposed to renew our minds. Praise God. Romans 12, 2. Renew your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, how many actually have a prayer life? I don't need you to raise your hand, but just come into agreement. How many are actually praying every single day? And when we think about that, we say, oh, what are you talking about, Pastor? Two hours a day? No. If you could pray for five minutes, it's better than not praying at all. But, but pray. In fact, do pray. Pray to God. Before you put your feet on the floor, when you get off your bed in the morning, you should be praying. Or the first thing you should do is roll onto your knees and get before God in prayer. You should start every day in the presence of God. Pick up the word and read it. I know it's sometimes a challenge. How about this? How about a lifestyle of worship? I find when I'm cleaning, and I've been cleaning a lot lately. Hallelujah. I'm leaving stuff around just so I have something to clean. It's amazing. But I find when I'm cleaning and I put on some worship music, man, my worship just changes. It's amazing. When you're spending time with God, and, and there are duties, there's certain things that we need to do, our chores, all we, we get it. There's a lot of things we need to do. But even driving to work, you could be worshiping God in the car. You could worship God on your way back. You could put on your, your praise and worship and, and, and put it anywhere, wherever you are, wherever you are, and just offer up some worship to God. Remembering him is beautiful throughout your day. It's having a lifestyle of expectation. It's about knowing who God is, being assured of your salvation, having a hope of glory in the midst of a cruel and wicked, perverse generation. It's saying, God, yes, there's crazy stuff going on, but I love you. I know that you got me and my family safe. I know you keep us in perfect peace. I know that in the midst of this storm that we're going through right now, we're okay. You know, I drove through the church parking lot where we were, and there's a big old giant container of trash right on top of the spot where there used to be a pulpit on the place where this podium was standing for, for almost six years. Now there's nothing but rubble and a big waste bin there. And I drove by and I said, hallelujah, glory to God, praise you, Lord. It didn't discourage me. It got me excited. You know why? Because I know the God that we serve. There's a great future for this house. Out with the old, in with the new. And some people might drive by that block. Oh, I can't believe what he did. Oh, how would God allow us to go through this? Man up. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Get it together. Praise God. Don't you know who you serve? Don't you know who the Lord is? God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we could ever expect and hope for. And you know what the funny thing is? Those that have those weepy little tears at the sign of the rubble, doesn't the word say beauty comes from ashes, tender shoots of grass? Do you know when there's a forest fire, that is the best time of growth, of regrowth in the forest? Because the ash actually becomes fertilizer, and now these, these plants grow even deeper. The roots go even deeper, and they grow even stronger, and now it's a more lush forest. 
Weeping endures for a moment, but joy cometh in the morning. Saints of God, we need to recognize the positives in every situation. Let me tell you the truth. All people are imperfect. Turn your neighbor and say, now I know he's talking about me. Hallelujah. He's talking about me right now. Praise God. I understand. There are no perfect people. There are no perfect churches. How about this? There are no perfect pastors. I'm going to make a public apology right here, right now. I spoke to my wife, and my wife was like, no, you don't have to do that, but I have to do it. I apologize for last week. You're going to say, why? What are you talking about? What did you do last week? I'll tell you what I did. I asked everybody to turn to their neighbor and say, wake up. You remember that? And then I tried to make it like a joke, a nice, I said, not on my watch, ha, 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 and it fell flat to the ground. The Holy Spirit said, who do you think you're talking to? I'm keeping it real. I was convicted immediately. Right after I said it, but I tell you what, that Sunday last week, I looked around. One person sleeping here, one person sleeping there, one person sleeping here, one person sleeping there, one person, one person. Over here, two people, one person, two people, one person, two. I looked around the room, and half the room's like this. And I was only, I looked at my watch, it was only 15 minutes. I said, I know what I'll do. I'll have everybody tell their neighbor, wake up, and everybody's going to wake up. I said, do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. Everybody's like, wake up, and all these. <laughs> Some people were sleeping on each other's shoulder like this. I apologize for that. But I'm going to tell you why I even felt the need to say it. I'm going to read it. And do this, knowing that the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. Listen, I'm not trying to justify myself, but I'm telling you, we're in such a dangerous time. And to come to church to get your best sleep now? You know, there, truly, there are people that say, I have difficulty sleeping. But they come to church, and they got no problem falling asleep. They get the best sleep ever. Don't you know that that is a spiritual condition? Don't you understand that if you come to the house of God, the place that is setting the captive free, the, the place where the word of God transforms your life, and to catch some Z's? In the sanctuary, it's a spiritual condition. Let me give you another one. Praise God. Hebrews 2, 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? How can you hear the Lord if you're asleep at the wheel? Can you imagine if you fall asleep while you're driving? There are people that die behind the wheel because they fell asleep at the wheel. Yes, no one is perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. Hallelujah. But there are some people that have some really good qualities, good positive qualities. And, and we need to recognize that. But definitely, you can't see it or understand it if you're sleeping on your watch. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, wake. No, no. I'm, just... I'm kidding. Hallelujah. But we have some good people, some good people with good positive qualities, and we should recognize those things. We have people like the Honorable Judge Girton, praise God, a man that's honest, just, and fair. 
Some are are well reported. Their friends are well reported and respected by others. There are those that do praiseworthy things. There are some that are hospitable and give great charity to others. It's a wonderful thing to see that in others. There's always something positive that can be found in others. Instead of being so critical, let us try instead to find the things that are praiseworthy, the things that are of good report, the things that are honorable and respectable, the righteous things that we could find find in our brother and sister we don't have to be so critical and so negative all the time praise God I've always been taught as a kid if you don't have nothing good to say then don't say nothing praise God Philippians 1 3 Paul says I thank my God upon all every remembrance of you even Paul chose to dwell on the positive. Amen? There are some that are fair and just, and we need to be able to recognize that in everybody. Amen? My final point, reach out to the lost. We have to be able to reach out to the lost and the hurting with a message of salvation and hope for a better day. I'm going to read Romans 5, 1 through 5. Listen carefully. It says, Therefore, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. How many are glorying in their tribulation? Not many amens out of that one. Hallelujah. But I understand. Praise God. Not many of us know how to rejoice yet in our tribulations. It says, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Saints of God, a better day is coming. Of that, I promise you, there's a brighter future that is very near. The hope of salvation is approaching, and it's time for us to share the good news, to go tell somebody, listen, I know things look terrible, but Jesus is coming. I know things are not good right now, but God loves you. He died for you. He gave his only begotten son for you. I know that things don't look good right now, but there is a better day coming. Hallelujah. People need to open their eyes to the truth. Like uh, Elisha the prophet said, there are more with us than those that are against us. Praise God. Paul himself, he reached out to the lost. This was a guy that used to kill Christians. And God did a miraculous work in his life, changed him completely overnight. And now he's teaching about Jesus Christ. He's getting beaten and flogged and thrown in prisons. He's going through all kinds of terrible hardships, but he would not shut his mouth. He would continue to declare the praises of God and tell people about Jesus Christ. You know, when you win people to Christ, it brings about a positive joy in the life of every believer, especially those that have just come to Christ. Psalm 126.6, he who continuously goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. How many soul winners do we got in this house? How many soul winners? We got a verse in this house that we love, Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Praise God. Listen. Before you start wearing, I mean, it is important to go out and make a living. It's important to go out and have a career. It's important to be educated. It's imp- all those things are important. But there's nothing of greater significance in your life than it is to reach even one soul for the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you the truth. There are people that have spent their whole life serving God and have not won a single soul for Jesus Christ. That is a sad commentary. Statistically, only 2% of the body of Christ actually goes out and evangelizes. That means 98% of us are comfortable with our fire insurance policy from hell. 
Jesus paid it up in full. And as long as I'm not going, I'm good to go. But thank God that there are missionaries that go out into places where no one would even dream about going to. There are evangelists that go out into the highways and the byways and share the gospel. There are sons and daughters. There are fathers and mothers, husbands and wives that will sit at their own table and talk to their children about the importance of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I got to tell the truth here because I was so disappointed. I, I, I put a, a critique up of the movie After Death. I seen that movie the other night. Some of you have probably seen it today. I'm hoping I'm not spoiling anything. It is a good movie, but I'm going to tell you why I'm disappointed. Because you have a two-hour movie. They spend telling different cases, different people that have actually had near-death experiences where they've been clinically dead for a period of time, some minutes, some hours, some longer. But here's the problem that I had with the movie. There was an atheist scientist that was talking, and throughout the film, they kept going back to this guy, and at the very end of the film, he still remained an atheist. He still uh, uh, attested all these near-death experiences to some type of scientific or clinical phenomenon. And at no time did he ever talk about his own personal experience or his own personal beliefs or any of that stuff. So you're going through this movie. You're seeing all these things about people's lives. I'm not giving it away. But at the end of the film, two people became pastors and one person became a, a chaplain uh, either in a prison or some military uh, uh, encampment. Here's the problem. I'm saying to myself, finally, we're going to get a message. Finally, they're going to start talking about Jesus, not the heaven Jesus in their stories. That's Jesus, praise God. But now, what good is it to talk about death and talk about heaven and talk about hell, but then you don't tell people how do you get there? Jesus, in John 14, 6, not once was it mentioned where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. There was a scene in this movie where there was this one guy, the guy that became a chaplain, that he was going down this tunnel, dark, dreary, gloomy tunnel, falling, falling. And when he started saying, but I'm a good person, how could this be happening to me? I did good deeds. And the more he tried to justify himself, he said, the faster he fell down. And then finally he said, Jesus. And when he said Jesus, a little light shone and Jesus came and pulled him out. That's one story. I hope I'm not spoiling the movie. But here's the problem with that scenario. If you don't tell people that Jesus is the only way, now people that see this film are going to think that even if I'm falling into hell, all I got to do is cry on the name of Jesus and I'm going to be rescued. That could send multitudes of people to hell and they'll say, I'm not going to serve Jesus in this lifetime. I'm not going to walk with God. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to go to church. If I happen to fall, I'm just going to cry out to Jesus. And because he's good, he's just going to rescue me. In the film, this guy had to be brought back because there was more work to be done. But you see how it leaves a lot of stuff to the imagination. People could be thinking, well, I'll just scream out to Jesus and I'm good to go. Listen, when you're dead, it's too late. And this is why I have a problem because there are so many Christians that are the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and we're so afraid of offending people that we're not telling people Jesus is the only way. This is why it is so important for us in these last days to live as the light in dark places. You are children of light. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5. Listen to these verses, starting at verse 8. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That means you've got to tell the truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And, and listen to this. Don't fall. Turn your neighbor and say, pay attention. Here it comes. Hallelujah. Wake up. No. <laughs> listen, this is so important. Verse 11. And I'm going to have you repeat it with me. How about that so we all get it? Amen. 
and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Glory to God. Now I'm going to continue. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. How many light bearers we got here? How many are wearing the armor of light this morning? Therefore he says, uh-oh, here it comes again. Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Again, Matthew 5, 14. You are, these are Jesus' words, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Why did Jesus compare us to light? Because he is light. And if we are in him, then we are the light of this world. Isaiah 49, 6. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I also will make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Listen, God's goal from the very beginning of time is salvation for all of us to be reconciled back to him so that we would be in right relationship with Jesus Christ. Our light is to be on display no matter what, no matter where we go, no matter when it is. Our light is supposed to shine in darkness. Our light is supposed to shine the way for the unbeliever so that they could see the way to Christ and salvation. Our light should be so overwhelming that we overcome darkness. That means when you walk into a room, especially at the water cooler at work, and you're ready to take your cup. And people are telling a dirty, perverse, filthy joke. And you walk by. They say, wait, wait, wait. Shh, shh. Sister India's here. Oh, shh, shh. AJ. Shh. Keith. Shh. No, no, don't worry about me. I'm just getting some water. Shh. Peace out. You drink your water. And now they start telling the dirty joke again. There should be a light in us that so offends darkness that even darkness has to go... There's a problem if you're a believer and people are telling dirty jokes and then you walk by to get your water and say, yo, Keith, check this out. Come here, check this out. You're going to love this one. Check this out. There was a Jew, there was a, a Catholic priest, and there was a, a Muslim in the room. They went to the bar. If they're including you, that means the light ain't bright. Hallelujah. If they're calling you in for the joke, something wrong with the light. Hallelujah. God's word, Psalm 119, 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Saints of God, we got to start walking in the light. How many are children of light? You're a light bearer. Be light this morning. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, Be light. We're in such a dark time. Glory to God. And it's time for the church to speak up. That's why I'm going to speak up right now. A few days from now, Tuesday, this year. Tuesday is Halloween. And we're not supposed to have any fellowship with darkness. We just read it. But rather, we're supposed to expose it. And this is something that I do every single year. We've done it for 15 years, and today is no different. This is a time that, that my son and I, we were just talking. We hate Halloween. I hate it. There are millions of people all over the world, and, and a big majority of those people are Christians that are going to dress up as devils, as demons, as ghosts, and ghouls, and gremlins, and goblins, and every kind of filthy thing. There are going to be millions all over the world, millions of portals that are going to be opened up in one single day. 
Countless demons are going to gain access and gain control. They're going to have rights of territories and rights to literally come in and possess people. This is why the book of Hosea 4.6, it says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. That means we don't study. We don't do the research. This is a horrible thing, but it's true. On that day, there are going to be many children and babies that are going to be sacrificed to the devil. They're going to never be found again. And people say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Listen, why do you think we have milk containers with kids' faces? There's so many missing children. Some are in the sex trade. Others are being sacrificed by evil people. There are those in satanic cults that have literally gotten pregnant in terrible acts of the flesh, they call it. A worship celebration of the flesh where they've conceived and they're offering up their baby to be sacrificed on All Hallows Eve, which is Halloween night. And they stay in hiding and the church takes care of them. The, the church, the, the satanic church, takes care of these people for a whole nine months. And they have the baby and they stay in seclusion so that this baby could be sacrificed. There's crazy stuff out there. It's completely demonic. They believe that power comes from killing innocents. That's where Satanists get their power. And the ultimate act for a Satan person, a worshiper, is murder. Trunk or treat. God help us. I don't need to say anything, but you guys can see you have eyes. You could drive around some blocks in our own neighborhood. There are churches doing trunk or treat parties. There are other churches saying, oh, no, no, we don't do trunk or treat. We do harvest parties. Oh, my God. Wait till you hear about the harvest parties. We have an alternative. We do harvest parties. We do this or that. Or come and do the trunk or treat. Listen to this. Because this is really a reality that people are not aware of. But Psalms 106 Verse 37, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. When you dress up your child as a little ghost or a goblin or a demon, you're literally offering them up to devils, to demons. Anton LaVey, the founder of Satanism, the founder of the Satanic Church, is quoted as saying, I'm glad that Christian parents let their kids worship the devil at least one night out of the year. It's horrible how many churches spend the whole year casting out devils, having people delivered from bondages, and then on Halloween night, they invite all the demons that they casted out, the little creatures, they invite them right back into the church parking lot. And even give them candies and treats and sing songs and give them hot cocoa with marshmallows in it to keep them warm. Today, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the origins of Halloween. How many know that knowledge is power? It's good to be informed. Amen? Number one, should Christians celebrate Halloween or not? I'm going to give you some facts, and you can decide. I remember Fox News had a, mo a, a motto, or a, a, yeah, I think it was a logo or a motto. It says, we report, you decide. Listen, it's better if we decide, right? But it's important to be informed. So let me give you the origins of Halloween. Halloween is one of the oldest pagan holidays that is still celebrated today. It really started with the Celts and Druids. It's one of the most popular holidays, second only to Christmas. Some people view Halloween as a time for fun, for putting on costumes, for trick-or-treating, and having theme parties and watching scary movies. Others view it as a time of superstitions, of ghosts and goblins and evil spirits that should be avoided at all cost. The history of Halloween, it began on October 31st, which is the last day on the Celtic calendar. It was originally a pagan holiday honoring the dead. 
Some may have known it as All Hallows' Eve. Halloween was referred to as All Hallows' Eve, and it dated back to 2,000 years ago. All Hallows' Eve is the evening before All Saints' Day, which was created by Catholics to try to convert pagans and is celebrated on November 1st. So in other words, the Catholics had their day, which was called All Saints' Day on November 1st, and it was to try to convert all those who were demonically influenced and possessed and, and all kinds of craziness that went on just the night before. The following day, they tried to convert everybody else to get them back to the good places again for the next year. The Catholic Church themselves, though, they honored the Dead Saints' Day also on that designated day. Halloween can be traced back to the Druids, the Celtic culture in Ireland, Britain, and Northern Europe. The roots lay in the feast of Samhain. Many have heard that word before, Samhain, which was annually on October 31st. Again, it was to honor the dead. Samhain, it signifies the end of summer or the beginning of the fall, which is in November. Samhain actually had a harvest festival. So you could see over here on the screen, this represents all the harvest, the fruits and vegetables, and you've got all kinds of other symbols, the pentagram and all that. But they believed that this was a way to celebrate using the dead and, and this time of year uh, that would feed the superstitious and all the other crazy stuff that was going on. They would also have large bonfires where they would dance around and do all kinds of, of parties to honor the new coming harvest while honoring the Samhain spirit. This is why it's important for churches that say, well, we don't do trunk or treat, but we do harvest parties. Yes, God is the God of the harvest. But in this context where they're praying for their vegetables, their fruits, and their harvest to be blessed by demons, to be blessed by other false spirits. It's a problem when it's done in the house of God. I'm just saying it. The Celts believed that the dead spirits roamed the streets that night. The dead, the souls of the dead, roamed the streets and villages on that night. And since not all spirits were thought to be friendly, that gifts and treats had to be left out to pacify the evil and to ensure, again, that the next year's crops would be plentiful. This custom evolved or went into the term that we now know as trick or treating. Let me just say this. It is impossible to pacify evil. You can't pacify evil. We're supposed to cast it out. We're supposed to subdue those things. No evil eye can ward off a lesser evil. There are, are people that have evil eye necklaces, evil eye stuff. Whenever you see an eyeball, that signifies that the eye is of greater evil and it is supposed to ward off lesser evil. So they use it as a good luck charm. And it's crazy. There's certain things we put on our babies. In Spanish, what is it called? Sabiches or what is it? Sabache, there it is. They put... The, the, a hand, it's a black little hand, and it's called a sabache, and it's supposed to be a, a good luck uh, 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 thing, a charm. And it's supposed to ward off evil because this little bracelet is worse evil, and it's supposed to protect you from lesser evil. And we put these things on the babies. Can you imagine? And they say it's a culture thing. I've seen Christians with this on their babies. You can't ward off evil with evil. You ward it off with the spirit of the Most High God, with the blood of Jesus Christ. So here comes the costumes. Why costumes? Because the Druids believed that evil spirits, again, roaming on the nighttime uh, on earth to honor the spirit of Samhain, they would cast spells and tricks on people. So they believed that if you wore a mask or a costume, listen to this, if you wore a mask or a costume that you could trick the demons into thinking that you're one of them and that this was supposed to have them leave you alone. So imagine that. By you wearing a costume, you're literally tricking the devil that you're one of his. Listen, your trick is on you because you're already part of that. 
Costumes are a trick of the enemy so that it could have you change your identity. It's not cutesy-cutesy. It's demonically influenced. Let's talk about the term trick-or-treat. This came from the belief that if you set food or candy on your doorstep uh, for the night, that the spirits would pass you by. They would not allow your milk to spoil or your cattle to have birth defects or damage your family. The Druids would then go around collecting the food to burn it as a sacrifice to their gods. And they were also known to burn your own house down or to castrate the males in your house if they arrived and there was not a treat left at the door. I remember once my mother as a child, once she got hip to this whole Halloween fiasco, she started to put signs on her door. No candy here. No trick or treat. No candies over here. Some ghetto sign my mother used to put on every year. She's like, oh, no, I'm not buying no candy for nobody. She missed a golden opportunity to share Christ. But I'll talk about that. Let's talk about jack-o'-lanterns. These were an ancient symbol of condemned souls. The story originated from a guy named Jack that supposedly tricked the devil into chasing him up a tree, and then Jack jumped out and mounted on his crucifix so the devil could not get to him. Then Jack put an ember that the devil threw at him from hell inside of a pumpkin, and it was used as a lantern. Again, this is superstitious stuff. But this was a symbol that the Druids and the pagans began to use and determined that those who agreed with them and, 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 and had this displayed, they deserved mercy from these tricks. And just like today, we fly our flag to show our unity People that had jack-o'-lanterns were literally telling the Druids, hey, we're one of you. Pass us by. Don't cause no harm to my house. We've got this. We're part of you. We're part of your own people. We're partners. Currently, witches use hollowed-out pumpkins and skulls as light during their rituals. Let me say this. Satan absolutely loves Halloween because it glorifies evil. And it puts fear into the lives of people of the power of the enemy, like if he has any. But the most important thing is it does open spiritual portals. And it gives the enemy rights and claims over you and your family. Look at this little picture here. I I'm going to read it for those that can't read it from the back. Over here. It says, okay, kids. Don't ever talk to strangers or take candy from strangers or go to strangers' houses except on the day that we worship the devil. How stupid. Satanists believe that Halloween is a night where demons and the devil himself are given special powers. Why? Because people unknowingly give them this power. This night has been recognized at the beginning of witches' year. And let me just say something else. There's a, a group now. They call themselves Wiccans or Wicca. It's currently the fastest growing religion in our day. And they believe that these are good witches. They perform good magic, good spells over people. There's no such thing as a good witch. All witches are evil. Evil people pray for the dead on this night. Sacrifices, like I said earlier, are made, even human sacrifices. Celts and Druids have been known to leave pumpkins at the doorsteps. And they would literally put a, a pumpkin, a lantern, a jack-o'-lantern at the doorstep of a family whose child they deemed was going to be offered up as a sacrifice on that night. Let me tell you something. While this is crazy evil, crazy demonic, while this is horrible, Christians, I tell you the truth, you have nothing to be afraid of. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you, make no mistake. The Bible says, if a man scoops fire onto his lap, can he be burned? Of course. Don't play with fire or you're going to get burned. And what happens is sometimes we think it's cutesy-cutesy and we put our kids in a position that is harmful or we ourselves put ourselves in danger by not knowing. If you are truly a child of God, how can any observance of this holiday be of glory to the living God in heaven above. Think about that. So then what shall we do, Pastor? 
I'm glad you asked that question. Here's the answer to that question. Use this night as an opportunity to share the gospel with everyone. Listen, go out and buy candy and put it in a big bowl. And in addition to that, go out and get some gospel tracts. And go out and get some little Bibles. You know, Brother Brian, the Gideons, they have Bibles. Go out and get a, a whole bunch of Bibles. And when the little kids come to your door and they say trick or treat, use that as an opportunity to give them a Bible, to give them a gospel track. And don't be cheap. Throw some candy in their bag. I'm telling the truth. Use that as an opportunity. Listen, you have a golden opportunity for evangelism right at the door of your house. You don't even have to go outside. They're going to come to your door and go like this. Trick or treat. Hey, God bless you. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know that you're the apple of his eye? Do you know that you need to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I have something for you. Can I give you a Bible? Can I give you a gospel track? Will you go read it? Will you go take it home and read it and share this with your mom and dad? And tell them that Jesus loves you. You know, what's so hard about doing that? What's so hard about sharing the gospel? You might have some parents that say, ooh, go, let's go. Let's get out of here. We don't want your candy. Well, praise God. You haven't hurt anybody. No harm, no foul. But while you're doing it, let me just tell the truth. Praise God. Because some, sometimes Christians, we need, we need all the facts. Don't put on no costume. Don't be Jesus. Don't be Mary. Don't be Samson. Don't be John the Baptist and carry around a, a plate with a head on it and say, oh, I'm John the Baptist. Come on, people. Get it together. Praise God. If you're at the door, be yourself. Amen? And offer up the tracts and the Bible, but don't put on no costumes. Don't put no cobwebs on your porch. Don't put on no purple pumpkins and lights and all this stuff. Just be yourself. Be a child of God. Be the light of the world in the dark places. Now, regarding your children, because some people say, yeah, but, you know, then my kids are going to miss out. Listen, they're not missing anything. They're actually being protected. You're protecting them from this evil. If you want your children to have a good night, get them involved in giving out the tracks. Get them involved in putting the candies in the, in the baskets and, and have them share with their friends Jesus Christ. If you want, buy candy and give candy to your own children, but stay inside. Don't even go outside. There's so much craziness going on, people throwing eggs and shaving cream and all the, all the horror stories you hear. Keep safe. We're in an evil time. But stay positive. Don't partner with the enemy. Stay positive. Be a child of God. Be a child of the light. Remember what we read earlier in Philippians. Be strong. Whoever, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, any praise, think on these things. And those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen on me, do those things. And the God of peace shall be with you. I close with this. How will you choose to glorify God? I say tomorrow, but really Tuesday night. How will you choose to glorify God in your life? What side are you going to be on? Are you going to stay on the positive? Or are you going to enjoy the negativity of this dark age and these dark times? Will you merge with darkness or will you embrace light in this season? Remember, those that walk in light, light always wins. Amen? Light always wins. My motto, and it's always going to be this way, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Stay positive in this negative world and tell people, behold, Jesus is coming. A better day is coming. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. Hallelujah.